mean, you don't have to yell into the mic, but go ahead. Talk again. How, how is this volume for talking? Is this too loud? You or? know what's funny? It's you. You sound so much louder than I feel like I sound right now. Right. But it's not that loud. But, it, but, but looking at the meter, it's like you're only just slightly louder than I am. <clears throat> I feel like I'm talking very loud, so it but should. You know what? You're ta- you feel you sound like you're talking loud, but you're not actually talking loud. You gotta project. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you just gotta <clears throat> let it come out. You don't yeah. have to talk like this, because that's what this, that's what you sounded like to me. I mean, right. maybe I sound like that to you. I don't know right now, <laughs> but I feel like I'm just talking. <laughs> but my talking is louder than your, than your kind of pretend talking loud I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to make myself talk more loudly so that i can be picked up by this microphone testing one two three now you kind of trailed off there testing testing now you sound like you're yelling into the <laughs> microphone um hmm. all right project all right i'm gonna try and talk to that doll across the room uh so yeah, it was a good weekend. I had a had a good time, and we went out and did Dude, stuff. You sound like you're at a bar and you're yelling at somebody. <laughs> I thought I was, I was trying to project across the room, you know, in, in the direction of the uh, the phone and right. Okay, right. Uh, well, talk to me, right? <coughs> yeah, like you're gonna to you. talk to me, but but talk uh, just a little loud, like a little louder, <laughs> but not like this. Like you're trying to talk to somebody at a bar and you're like trying to get it out. Um, By the way, all this is being recorded and will be saved because this is, this is very funny to me. All right, let's see. And again, my I, like whisper is. I, I mean, I'm I'm your pra- mic is turned down just a little yeah. bit, bit more than mine. I mean, I'm practically right on top of the microphone. I don't know how it's not. No, no, it it, it it's okay. okay. It's fine. I just want to make sure that this right. is okay. loud enough that the the, the well. The camera if I how about this volume? If I'm talking, to, can this, is the ah, I don't know what to say. No, it, you know yeah. again. It, you know what it is? It, um, infliction. Hmm. Like you're inflicting a louder sound than you're actually producing. Okay. I don't know, like, well, apparently there were studies on infliction uh, um, from, like, MIT or something. Because they wanted to see if, like, oh. Aaron Rodgers could pull people off sides right. better than other people. <clears throat> and apparently he can because he has infliction. Oh, it's it's inflection, I think, is the word. Inflection? Yeah. Inflection? I don't know. Yeah, infliction's like a, a, a wound. Inf- inflection is... Oh yeah, voice inflection. Yeah, voice it sounds. Up. Yeah, it sounds sound better. That sounds more. Sense. Okay, well, all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. It's just the, the way button. I talk. It's just the way I talk. All right. Uh, Ain't you gonna... ever seen none of my movies? No. No. That's too bad. Hey, dreamers! Welcome to another episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm joined. By... <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm laughing about some of the stories that he was talking about earlier. Um, before we got here on the air, uh, we're of course live streaming on Facebook live. So you can come follow along at facebook.com backslash Pardo Joe. That's P A R D O J O E. And, uh, so Matt, how, how are we doing this week? You know, <clears throat> we're doing good. This week went way too fast. So I just, I, I feel like, um, had all these plans and before you knew it, <laughs> I got like a quarter of them done. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't know what happened. You know, I I I feel the same way. Saturday was uh, my sister's wedding, um, so we you know I didn't get much of anything accomplished that day. And then yesterday I was 
just kind of really on the couch. I mean, the Flyers played, so we were watching that. But it was at noon, and then I had a game at 8 uh, at night, and I had to return my tux and all that stuff. So uh, that that all, you know, factored into the fact that I felt like I got nothing done either. So it was, it was kind of like a lazy weekend. Well, was it tough uh, giving your sister away at the wedding, or at this point you're just, you know, you're prepared for it? So kind of like, yeah, you know, it's just – just ceremony at this point. We've already gone through all the all the emotional stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't get like that. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I, I I guess. I guess a lot of people would. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I was a little. Um, it was a little upsetting. I. I guess. I don't know. I. I, I don't. It. That's not something that that like, would pull at right. my heartstrings. I guess. It's weird too, because like I would watch a movie and totally like start crying, but not. Uh, yeah, I know. I just I wondered, you know, with, with, with it being your sister, if you know, like, because I know you, you aren't super close, but I thought, you know, maybe with the wedding, you know, it's just uh, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe Michelle's all grown up and you know, yeah, doing yeah. the grown up thing. I, I well, I mean, she was already doing her own thing, so it's yeah, not, yeah. you know, it's not like she was a lot a lot younger or something mm-hmm. to that effect. You know, that that would probably maybe uh, affect my my feelings on it. But yeah, no, I, I mean, it was it was nice. It was a nice mm-hmm. wedding. Um, we didn't get to stay for the uh, reception, unfortunately. We had to we had to leave uh, to get back to Ava, who unfortunately sure. is not joining me uh, for this episode right now. <laughs> I mean, she she was uh, feeding a little bit ago. She's been really fussy the last day or so. Uh, in fact, last night she got like four hours of sleep, but then woke up at like five thirty or something, and then didn't go back to sleep, which really stunk because I had to get up at eight to talk to somebody on the phone. Uh and so I, I ended up finally getting to go back to sleep because Melissa came down uh with came downstairs with her and then uh we you know it, it just um waking up in the middle of REM sleep really sucks. <laughs> it, you oh, know, yeah. get, not getting a full sleep cycle uh is is worse. I should have just stayed up is what I should have did. Mm. Um because at least if I had stayed up um, I'd probably be more, a little more tired now, but I, I'm really groggy. Like I, I'm not like thinking straight. Um, but this week, uh, so you guys, you guys got to stay tuned because at the, at the end of our pre-show here, uh, if not today on Monday, where we're here on the Facebook live stream, but if you go to dreamerspodcast.com, uh, the, my interview this week is with actor Tommy G Kendrick, who, uh, if I remember correctly, because it was a little while ago that we had recorded, uh, I my good friend Doc Kennedy introduced me to him, and uh, he was a great a great guest. I think you're gonna love it. He's done a ton of acting things all over the spectrum. So uh, yeah, stay stay tuned at the end of uh, the pre-show here to to listen to me and Tommy Kendrick break down becoming an actor and and how all that played out for him in his life. Now, I got to give a plug to the second anniversary of Dreamers Podcast. Two years. Two whole years. On May 20th, we're going to be here in the studio. Um, Last year, we did a a party here. We played games, had a wonderful time, raised over $600 in about three, I think it was three or four hours long playing uh, Minute to Win It games. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to do the same minute to win games. Unfortunately, we're not able to have a part, a big party here at the house. Uh, but there should be a few guests in here at, you know, in the studio live. Um, I'm hoping to reach out to a couple people, maybe get uh, a performance or two here in the studio, uh, as well as putting it on Facebook live at the same time. So we'll be live streaming there as well. 
Uh, so wait, two two streams, uh, maybe even a third stream. Maybe I'll even stream it on um, on Google Hangout uh, as well with uh, through through YouTube. So um, yeah, so so it's superjoepardo.com backslash live on May twentieth at seven to ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, um, last year we raised six hundred dollars. This year I want to raise at least a thousand dollars. I think that we can totally do it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're around, I know it's a Friday. I think it's a Friday night. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a Friday night. Yeah, because the 21st is Paul's uh, Paul Dariano, who was a previous guest and a very good friend of mine on the show. Uh, he's getting married, so we're having his bachelor party on the 21st. So that that's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations to Paul. And but but the night before, I'll be up doing this. Have you know here live streaming. Um, to do you know to raise money for give kids the world if you don't know give kids the world they send uh kids with uh life-threatening illnesses down to disney world uh in or you know orlando florida and they go to sea world and they go to uh disney world and they go to uh, universal and they have a house and they get a car and they're on a big property and they have ice cream for breakfast and they have parties every night and they just get to be kids rather than you know the doctor visits and all that stuff so uh, it's a really great cause. Uh, I, I really, you know, Matt, I, I really hate asking for money. Like fundraising has never been my thing. It, I just have never liked it. Are, are, are you a fan of doing the fundraising thing? You know, it's because you had to do that growing up, didn't you? Sure. Like, with, with the Boy Scouts and stuff. Right. You know, but the thing is, it, it is awkward. I mean, because, you, you know, you feel like, all right, I'm going out here and begging for money. But on the other hand, it's you're not getting it for yourself. You're doing it for a, a greater cause. So really, it's. Kind of gonna keep your your eye on the prize, and you know, it's really no other easy way to go about it. I mean, how I honestly, there's only so many ways you can ask for somebody else to kick in for something that's not directly gonna benefit them, but you know, uh, the other hand, it's well, society it's benefits. Well, sure, yeah, you know, and, and overall, <laughs> the greater good, the whole, you know, is 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 everybody benefits when society can benefit. Sure. Um, yeah, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, no, but it, you know, so it, it, it's just never been something that I've been crazy yeah. about. Um, and not, not that I don't like donating to other people and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but just for myself, I just, especially when it's just like, Hey Matt, you got 20 bucks in your pocket. Well, yeah. What, what do you need? They're like, well, I need you to donate to this cause. And you're like, Oh, like, uh, here this we guy go. again. Yeah. How many other causes are you going to ask, uh, you know, ask me to donate for, but I, you know, really like, again, I don't mind giving cause I, if I have it, I don't mind giving it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's asking for it that I just don't, um, I'm not a huge fan of, but you know, that's why tying it to the cause of, Hey, this is the second year anniversary, you know, the anniversary of the dreamers podcast. Um, we're at episode, I think it's two twenty seven. is this episode that we're recording right this second. So, you know, it's been, it's, it's a, an amazing accomplishment that we've gotten this far and I've really enjoyed the journey. So, uh, you know, I think it's great to get to share that love and that passion for some, <clears throat> for something that I, you know, I obviously have a deep passion for Disney. I mean, you just look behind me here on the Facebook live video feed, uh, or on YouTube, which we're also recording and putting up on later, but you know, to send kids to Disney world, it's, it's a, it's a magical experience for them. Oh, I um, think it's wonderful. It really is. Uh, so another thing I wanted to bring up was last week we mentioned the Temps movie. Uh, my friend Ryan uh, Sage 
had directed it. He had a bunch of different actors in it and actresses in it. And uh, they were like number two, I think, on iTunes. Um, uh, romance, co- romance comedies, comedy romance, rom- romance, co- romantic comedies. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the term. Rom coms, uh, yeah. <laughs> rom com, rom coms, yeah. Rom coms. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's a term I've heard used. Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, and and now uh, I think it was as of yesterday I saw he was number one in romantic comedies, which is phenomenal. Oh. For a movie that had like a budget of like seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> when his competition had millions of dollars behind in their budget, and uh, so it's big shout out to Ryan Sage, uh, he definitely well deserved. It, it, you know, it's a it's a very good movie. Uh, if you haven't gone and see it, go check it out on iTunes. Help it get climb even higher up on those charts, the outside of the romantic comedy uh, section. Uh, let's see. So you know I. <laughs> The other day, somebody said something to me, and I've had it actually said to me quite a bit, Matt, um, about like, well, you know, when I had my kids, I I found my purpose. You know, I I'm the provider. I'm the, you know, the 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 head of the household and the big cheese, and no one else is going to provide for this family. And you know, they asked me like, like I guess some people i guess don't have ever find their sense of purpose till they have kids and and the thing is i'm like well i don't i don't really feel that way <laughs> not that not, okay not that i am not understanding of you know the, the very realistic fact that you know i'm here to help and so is melissa here to help provide for ava and and any other kids that we have and not that um you know, I don't, I don't feel that sense of responsibility, but maybe, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't make as big of a deal out of things as other, other people sometimes do like certain things. Some things I make a big, I mean, you know, very well, I make a big deal out of certain, out of certain things that really grind my gears. Exactly. If something irritates you, people are going to hear about it one way or the other. Sure. Generally, yeah, yes. and and I want to, but but the reason is because I want people to um, get something out of it, right? It's not just about complaining, you know. It's it's about finding solutions. It's about, about finding the best way of doing something. It's about finding a better way for people to uh, to get something accomplished. But I, yeah, I, I just for me, like I don't. I don't know. I, I guess because I, I already feel like I have that sense of purpose even before Ava came into the picture that like I, I know what I want to do. I know how I want to do it and I'm and I've been doing it um, and I'm going, you know, and I'm making it work. So the question really isn't about, oh, do you need, um, you know, you, you need a kid in your life to give you that sense of direction and grown upness, but. And I don't know if maybe it's because some of these people, maybe they had kids when they were younger. You know, I'm 29 versus like, I mean, heck, my parents had me when they were like 21 or 20 or something like that. So, you know, there's a, there's a difference. I mean, that's nine years of experience, eight years of experience. That's, that's different and a different path um, where I, you know, I definitely feel my responsibility to make it work 
um, because I, I love the house that we live in. I love the neighborhood that we live in. I love the town that we live in. I mean, I grew up here. I grew up in this house. I have a sense of responsibility of keeping what I want and in, in keeping this house, keeping Melissa happy with um, being able to keep the things that we have. You know, we don't really care about like super extravagant things. There's, you know, some technology things that I love. Um, but there isn't like, well, someday I'm going to get that boat. <laughs> Like, and I grew up on boats and I don't really care for boats. So like, for me, it's not like, oh, I can get that status symbol of a boat. Like, I I don't care. Like, it's not something I I strive, like even like a second house down the shore or something. Like, we only live an hour from the shore. I could get a hotel room if I, if I really had to, you know what I mean? Like to be able to not have to drive home. But I guess that's the, the, the difference of like the practicality side of things and the logical side of things versus the, well, I'm only going to live once and I want to make as much as I can so I can buy all these things and just have them sit around. This is actually turning into a way different uh, <laughs> response than than what I initially intended. I'll for. just say real quick that, you know, for you, you're in a different position because you, you have a dream, you have a goal, and you're focused on it. You have it all planned out. I mean, that is... It's self-sustaining. You don't really feel like I, I need something else to fill in this void in my life. Whereas for somebody that was maybe a little more aimless, maybe didn't have a, a purpose or even, I don't, I don't know, anything that they're really passionate about, a child is, is like a huge, uh, I, anchor's the wrong word, but it, 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 it brings... <laughs> anchor I, sounds like I, a bad it, word. It sounds negative, but I meant to say it adds... No, but it is. It is. It is a good anchor for it's, people it's, It adds life. that... Uh, stability to your life is what I meant. You know, the weight where, okay, now I have something, here's something concrete and physical and very important that I can dedicate myself to. And, and it feels, or it gives me a direction, maybe not so much a sense of purpose, but here's something I can, I can focus on. And I know it's a good thing to focus on and it's a great thing. I mean, you know, children are great. So lacking that, I mean, you know, what else is there? It's okay. Maybe you already gave up on your dream or maybe you just never figure out what your dream was. And, that's and, a, That's a good point. And here's like something that's you know, like right in your face. Bam. Okay. I it's, it's got my attention hundred percent. And and that's not a bad thing. And, and it doesn't mean you can't gravitate away from that. You know, after your child is all grown up, you know, and they're going to have their own pursuits and, and their own dreams. And maybe you say, okay, well now I I'm retired or whatever it is. I want to write this book. I was always going to work on or, Hey, I want to go travel the world. You know, then my, my kids all grown up. It's an empty nest. I want to go do all these things that I never had time to do before or didn't have time to pursue or, you know, whatever. But, uh, well, it gives, it gives them the purpose that they might not have had that's, before that. Right. That's right? What that's what I meant. So like if they were aimless in the, you know, like the military can make, take someone that's aimless and sure. give them, uh, aim, but that doesn't necessarily give them purpose. The purpose can come after the fact, maybe while they're in the military or something to that effect. So I think, like, yeah, having having the kids is it, it gives purpose, and a lot of you know a lot of people like that's what they they grow up to want to do. Like the goal is to have kids and take care of them until mm-hmm. until they leave, um, or they you know they grow up and all. So so yeah, I, I could see that. I guess just for me, like I, I don't. You know, it's just like the same question. Is like everyone's like, "Oh, Joe, is it real for you yet?" And it's like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." As soon as I saw her on the screen the first time, it was, it was very real. I mean, it was real even before that. But, um, you know, it it didn't become more real just because she got here, or just because 
oh, you know, she's only one month away, like, from coming. Like, no. It, it, like, I don't know. I don't think in t- – I guess I don't think like that. Um, so, so yeah, for me, it's it, – it, I have my purpose, you know, helping other people, helping other businesses, helping children, fi- like, find their purpose, find what they're passionate about – and then figuring out which one of those passions are the one that they could take to the next level and actually do something with. Whether that includes going to school or not going to school or maybe going to school on like a one to two class thing while they're getting it off the ground so they're not burying themselves in debt in the meantime. You know, it, it all depends. Um, it all depends on the situation and what their purpose, what they feel like their purpose is. And for me, I, I, I found that purpose um, – well, I, I knew I, I wanted to do something else, but, you know, I, I really found that purpose two years ago. Um, so for me, it's like, well, it's not like, oh, no, we're having a baby. Well, I want to find a way to stay home all day every day and just not do anything. So let me just uh, I'll just quit my job, um, abandon everything that I had planned in my life or, or thought that I was on that path of. And just now I'm a stay at home person doing this thing and with no direction or thought or rhyme or reason or, and no accomplishments under my belt either. Um, and that's, that's the thing. So you really have to, um, you really have to put, put forth like, you know, a lot of thought into what your, what your purpose is. I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? I can't, I can't actually like, like you're watching the here in the video on, on Facebook Live or and not so much on Facebook but or YouTube but but actually now you can see it. So like my you can't see my mouth, but like Matt has the same pop filter on. So like I'm looking at him through two mic stands and two pop filters. So it's it's hard to tell whether or not he wants to say something or oh, not. I was trying not to yawn into the microphone. Oh, okay. Oh well I saw that. You turned your head so I, I I'm sure everyone appreciates <laughs> appreciates that. Um. So yeah, so find your purpose. That's that's the important thing. And, and sometimes it, t- it takes a lot. It takes time. It takes effort. It's not easy. Um, if it if, you know if it was easy, everyone would do it. But go and go and find your purpose. And if it if it is having kids, that's awesome. I'm I'm all for that. That's you know there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not anti. You know, oh, you have to be, you know, living the life where you're traveling all the time and you're doing this or doing that like you need to find like what's right for you and and you know for me like it's living here you know it's having a kid it's having the house it's having the 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 community to live in like that's what i like in here in south jersey there's a lot of people that be like south jersey i'm gonna go live and blah 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 and then i'm gonna move over to here and do this and like that's great i'm i'm really happy and i'm happy to know people like that Cause you know, in some cases I can live, I mean, I do travel quite a bit, but I don't travel like some, you know, some of my friends do. So, uh, like just the other day, Jeff, you know, I don't know if we mentioned Jeff Langley is in Europe right now or in, in the UK traveling, uh, with the band Renaissance. So he, he, that'll be on a future episode of uh, dreamers podcast. And then I'll be having him back on to talk about that experience. Uh, but, or even Rick, uh, Rick, Rich quick, uh, you know, traveling to Europe twice in, in under a year to, uh, to do, to do tours. Like, that's awesome. If that's what you're aiming, you know, if that's what your goal is, cause it's not easy to get to that level or to that point. And even living on the road's not easy. <clears throat> so we talking about artists, of course, uh, it's a sad, sad time where Prince has passed away. Um, 
I we don't know exactly what the cause is. I don't think as of right now, though. I mean, drugs might be. I don't know. Who knows? I don't. I don't have uh, who, whoever um, the the person that dissects the people. I don't have. I don't have uh, their their take on it just yet. So it's sad. Were you a big Prince fan, Matt? You know, I wasn't. I honestly, I mean, the guy was a amazing guitarist I mean, if nothing else i'm not a big fan of his music but the way he could play guitar was incredible mm. it just the music never really grabbed me it, I, I don't know it just wasn't my thing but to see him perform live it was definitely a show regardless yeah uh i wish uh, yeah i wish i could have uh gotten to see him perform live you know what's funny is, is I, like i'm not the hugest of of fans of of prince right like i don't have any Prince stuff. I'm, in fact, Purple Rain is probably my least favorite song by him, <laughs> even though everybody likes to trump that up as, you know, this his song. And, and I get it. He owned the color, and, and I love that. Like, I love that about him. Um, but, you know, when it comes to songs, like, there's plenty of other Prince songs that I, you know, enjoy, but I, I don't go out of my way to listen to but yeah. you know i, I definitely uh, respect what he did not just for music but for he did a lot of uh charity work and stuff like that but be, apparently because he was a jehovah's witness you're not supposed to um flaunt any of that stuff or like be outspoken about giving the charities um from what i read I, I you know it could be totally wrong um and but apparently he did. Apparently he spent a lot of money and and a lot of don, you know donations and stuff in the communities and and all that. So and but you know so that that's awesome. I'm all all for that. And hopefully um hopefully it wasn't drugs. Ho- I'm hopeful that that it wasn't drugs. Though I think he was in rehab or something not too too long ago. Well, I, I don't know. Even if it was, I mean that you know for well. <laughs> I guess it really is just for worse, but you know, in, in that rock and roll lifestyle, I mean, drugs are an ever-present threat. I mean, it's just they're so easily accessible. You know, it, it's not just to being about accessible. Mm-hmm. Like I, I forget who I was. I was listening to somebody talk about this and the life that they live, where they're basically expected to be on twenty-four-seven, like in the public eye, doing you know all these shows, singing, dancing, running up and down, like. Being on point, show after show after show after show, like night after night after night after night, like there's a reason why cocaine is the thing that these that these people do, and I'm not even like making a joke about it. It's because they they need something that's going to keep them at that level because they're expected to be this larger than life, like there should be like four or five princes, right? Like like you should like. Not in the sense of like there's four or five princes in a band. I mean like four or five clones of Prince to perform all of these shows, do all of the, uh, you know, the, the uh, fan interactions, you know, the 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 signing, the album signings or whatever. Like there needs to, there should be more than one person that has that responsibility because they're expected to be this larger than life, and drugs sometimes. Uh, a lot of times are, are the things that they turn to because like this is what they're expected to do and not, not expected to do drugs, but just expected to be on like on point 24 seven. It's tough. You know, only so much Red Bull or, or any, you know, any of those energy drinks is going to yeah. make that happen. Um, after a while, you know, it's like you, you start looking for something else and someone's like, Hey, check out this stuff. And you're like, Oh, 
YOLO, man. It's it's true. Like now we were discussing an interview I was listening to earlier with Steven Tyler and basically the way he described it, it's like as soon as Aerosmith took off, I was shot out of a cannon. I was either on stage, I was recording, I, you know, like there was no break period. It's like show 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 one day off show 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 and then repeat and like so after a while the drugs are just the way he kind of maintained himself like in a in the studio b on stage and then but you get to a certain point where it's just like okay now the drugs aren't doing anymore and you just you burn out and you hopefully you don't <laughs> well in his case i mean it, it was it got pretty bad like at one point they actually had to you know like his heart stopped and they yeah, they call for the ambulance and like they throw him in a tub of water, <laughs> like trying to anything they can to try and you know revive him. And at, at that point, he's like, you know what, <laughs> it's you it, gone too far. You know, it's like you, you can't keep going at this breakneck pace for the rest of your life and and not expect you know tragedy to strike. And so you know, again, we don't know what happened with Prince, and I don't think he was, um, you know, at this point in his career needed to be out twenty four seven. I mean, the guy was. He was established. I mean, it's not like right. He was. I actually, I was reading an article, or uh, I started to read an article that was questioning whether or not he was actually even that rich to begin with. Yeah, he even had that um, much money um, to make. You know, to I heard to make all. I heard that something happen. similar about David Bowie, but again, I didn't really look into it. I mean, it's all just you know. Not that they were necessarily like living out of a cardboard no, box, no. but you know, it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean they have like a couple five million dollar mansions or something. <laughs> you know. There, there's definitely a difference. It's uh, not Bruce Wayne in the Batcave, and you know, yeah, no, definitely, uh, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Though, if you're gonna put a Batcave where he lived in Minnesota, probably would be a good place to put it out mm. of like Wisconsin, like Wisconsin or something, uh, where there's not a whole, whole lot of people to come poking around your your Batcave. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, over the week, over the or this past week, I got an email uh, from a good, very good friend of mine, uh, Shane. And he was asking, like, because he had heard, he had seen that I had, um, you know, I've sold a, about, uh, I think I'm like right at eleven thousand dollars worth wow. of stuff, uh, and and why I cho- he wanted to know, um, why I chose Amazon to sell the stuff over eBay or Craigslist, and um, because apparently, according to him, he's never purchased anything used on Amazon. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, honestly, up until recently, I hadn't really purchased anything used on Amazon either. Um, and he can't even he can't even say he's considered it. So he's like, so I don't know if you're talking about books, ten year old computer stuff, or three month old stuff that might still have a box. So yeah, he he's curious. He's like, you know, he, why? Well, I guess let's start with why I chose Amazon. No matter. Before we do that, is do you buy anything used on Amazon? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's actually if it's no worse than eBay, quite frankly. And in some ways, it's a little bit better because Amazon does have like a guarantee up to a point for certain items. It's like all right, it's part of the Amazon marketplace, and eBay does too. Like there's certain buyer protection that's in place, and um, in some cases. I, you know, well, I never had a bad experience. I mean, you know, mm. and you could have a bad experience on eBay as well. But let's just put it this way: I, I bought used things on Amazon. I've luckily never really had a problem. The one time it was like a minor thing, and, and the guy we we took care of it. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't really think it's any different than buying from eBay. Craigslist is, I mean, there's no guarantees, <laughs> so you know that you just uh, what you see is what you get, and. 
I mean, you're hitting a much smaller market, and uh, quite frankly, I've had nothing but bad experiences with Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, so I never had a bad experience on a bad experience on Craigslist. Um, I I mean, I've had stuff sit on Craigslist for a long time before mm-hmm. it sold. Uh, that's for sure, because you're hitting a much smaller market, right? Yeah. Just the same with Wallapop. If you're not familiar with Wallapop, it's an app that's kind of like Craig. It's like Craigslist, but it's just for selling stuff. It's not for any other purposes. <laughs> um, like job lookups or, or anything like that, uh, or parties or, or events or any like it's not like a total like listing board, but uh, you know it's like a boutique like everything item. But I noticed on Wallapop like a lot of people don't like they'll just list like here's a Mac laptop, <laughs> no year, no specs, no anything. If you're lucky, you get a year. Um, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, okay, how much? And they're just like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, and I'm like, well, well, wait, what? What? I don't. What am I buying here? I was gonna say, if the price is amazing, I might actually take the time to ask the person, hey, what is this? But <laughs> it's like, okay, if really, you're charging that much, and there's no description. Next. <laughs> yeah. Well, or the other great one was somebody was selling two of something. I think it was. <clears throat> I don't even remember what it was, but they were selling two of it. It was like controllers or something like that. And he's like, sixty dollars for one. Or a hundred and sixty dollars for two, Wait, and I was what? like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, I just want to reach out to this guy and be like, "Um, <laughs> math much?" Because that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> like, you're going to charge an extra forty dollars <laughs> if you buy both? Can I just buy two of them singularly, or t- it's you know individually? Because <laughs> I mean, like, I I don't know. So there's there's some Wallapop has some th- some good things, but like in some a lot of cases, people either don't know what things are worth or they're trying to sell them for way too much money. Oh god, yeah. Like, it, yeah, the, you just have to reach out and be like, yeah, can I? Are you interested in this price instead? Because this is used. I mean, you're not even taking into consideration the fact that it's used. Number one, number two, this isn't the Amazon store, or like or a- even Amazon used, um, like the like used on Amazon or even eBay. So, uh, yeah, so sometimes it's, it's not great. Though I have had one experience where uh, I had – what did I have? It was like a camera or something listed on uh, – or no, it was a ne- it was one of my nests. I was selling my second-generation nest, and the guy reached out and was like, well, this website has it for 50 bucks. Can't you sell it for 50 bucks?" And I was like, it's $150 on every other website used. Uh, the site you sent to me, here's a, here's a link with people talking about that site that you sent me and how they've had horrible experiences with that site that's selling it for $50. So I said, if you want to take the chance, be my guest, not going to hurt my feelings. Ended up selling both nests used for 150, 160 bucks on Amazon and didn't have them returned. Didn't have any issues. Um, so the reason I don't use eBay, uh, I've used eBay for, you know, over the years I've used eBay. I used eBay to sell my Mac mini that I used to use until I upgraded my PC and went back to windows as my daily driver, like studio equipment computer. Um, some upsides, some downsides. So with eBay, you're, you have to take a picture of the item, right? And, and that's great. If, if you want to like if you had like one thing like i in my case i had one mac mini i wanted to sell because on ebay computer used computers don't really sell too well um though when they do sell 
Like, I sold my little Asus EEE901 from, like, I, I don't even know when. It's it probably, like, 2006 or something like that. 2006 or 2007. At least. Dude, I sold it for 130 bucks. Wow. Yeah, 130 Like, I can't believe that it sold for 130 bucks, But it did. It took a little, you know, it took, like, a month for it to sell. But it sold. And on eBay, that would have been worth, like, next to nothing. So, you know, in some cases, you get, you get the better experience there but it's nice because i didn't have to take a picture of the asus ee you can leave a description um so with amazon you only have to answer three questions once you get your account and everything set up when you add a new item you answer the quantity that you have the quality so is it new like you know used like new used good used acceptable used you know collectible is it collect like I don't know what collectible is, but sometimes there's items that are like everybody else is selling it used for like five bucks, and here's the collectible for five hundred dollars. Yeah, there's no real good description for that, and I, in some cases I've seen people list, okay, well this is signed by the original creator. Okay, I get it. I, okay, that makes sense. But in our cases, it looks identical to the other ten bids, yet the price is five times as much. Like okay, <laughs> well you never know. Sometimes yeah, you know, all you you, you gotta do is get someone to get to buy it and then hold on to it yeah. for thirty days, and mm-hmm. then there's no return policy. You know, so proceed value. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I would hope at that point it comes with free shipping, though. At least. <laughs> like free next day shipping. Um, so, so yeah. So you answer the, the, the quality, the quantity, and then the last question is... Oh, what is the last question? Quality, quantity... Oh, and price. What you want to sell it for. But the thing is, with the difference between Amazon and eBay... Where eBay isn't really a marketplace, right? Like, when I list something on eBay, there, there, it does tell you what price you should start at. But I've never had luck with that at all. Um, every time I've been like, oh, let me go see what somebody else bought this laptop for. Oh, man, they bought it for like $1,300. Oh, man, that just ended yesterday. Oh, here's another one for like $1,250, $1,275, dollars Okay, let me start the bidding at $1,000 because that makes sense, right? It'll go up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So you get one person that bids, and you'll get your thousand. You'll get whatever you started at a thousand dollars. I'm like, but but literally just days ago, all these people bought these the same exact laptop or lesser of a laptop with maybe different specs or something, slightly different specs, um, for way more money. So then, meanwhile, you're stuck. And in my case, I tried to sell my MacBook Pro on on Amazon or on, on eBay. Excuse me. It's an upgraded one, and and it should have been selling for around thirteen hundred bucks. In my case, it was the thousand dollars. One person bid on it at the one thousand dollars. I had like thirteen people watching this thing. Not a single person bid on it after the fact. And then uh, what ended up happening was was the guy that bid on it had only seven reviews, and I was like, this guy isn't going to buy it. Guess what? I'm still waiting for money. So finally, I just canceled it. But because it's eBay. I have to wait an additional 10 days, even though it had already been 10 day over 10 days that had gone by and I got to wait for him to cancel it. And if he doesn't cancel it, I got to wait until he doesn't. And then eBay will be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now, now we'll, we can cancel this for you. Yeah. eBay gives way too much power to the buyer. And I know having been in a situation where I got screwed over an eBay deal, I was glad I was able to go to eBay and, and fight my way to get my money back. But every other time I sold something on eBay, it's like there's always some petty little thing, and immediately, it's, oh, immediately the seller is the bad guy. I'm like, but 
the buyer didn't read the description or you know that clearly I'm, I'm like i'm in the right here's all the information clearly listed right here we're just gonna ignore that and like <laughs> no no the buyer is always right like what so so now i get negative reviews because this guy couldn't bother to you know read and you can't leave negative reviews for sell i can't yeah, i can't either. even like defend why you know like he's wrong <laughs> I, I can't say it, you know. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. And so, uh, well, with Amazon, so you don't have to take the pictures. You only got to answer three questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put a description in. But the like I was saying, the best part is, is you have the match lowest price. So they add shipping into the fact that you hit match lowest price and it'll match the lowest price rather than being like, well, what should I start this at? What should I put it at? I don't know. And... Yeah, sometimes some items they they tend to be a race to the bottom. Like some of these video games and things I'm selling, like I've had to lower the price and lower the price and lower the price. But also they're not selling. Where I've had days where I've sold 19 items in one day versus days where I've sold one or none um, versus days that you know most days I'm selling at least two to four items a day. Uh, some of them I'm bar- I'm breaking even on. Some of them I'm I'm making a nice you know chunk of money. But it's only a nice chunk of money because I was already sitting on the stuff, which right. is why hashtag everything pays rent because it was just taking up space in my house that I'm paying for anyway. Time to get rid of it. Time to move on from it. Now, speaking of getting paid, what about the amount of fees that eBay takes out compared to the amount that Amazon takes out? Because I get the impression that eBay has all these little hidden fees because it's like I sold something, I think we're all good, and then a couple weeks later, I all of a sudden get a, well, you know, you owe an extra $12, an extra 20 bucks. I'm like, what? So um, I thought that eBay's fees were a lot more. They're actually really close. At the end of the day, they're really close to what um, uh, Amazon is. Hmm. The thing is, is Amazon tells you up front what the fee is going to be. And their fee isn't like a percentage. It's a percentage of, I guess, like what is be what like what's the marketplace is going for at the time. Because um, I've noticed that even if I lower the price on something, the fee stays the same. So it it really depends on the item that you're selling. I don't know how they figure that out, but at least they're telling me up front exactly what it's going to be. And on the back end, I'm not getting hit by PayPal. I mean, PayPal uh, and eBay aren't the same company anymore, but I'm still getting hit on the back end trying to get my money out to, you know, from PayPal because they're not a bank, hashtag not a bank. But they are a bank because they hold money, but they're hashtag not a bank apparently. It'll give me a credit card, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it'll give you a credit card, but we're not a bank. We don't want to play by bank rules. Um, I guess as much as eBay is or Uber is in a, a taxi company. Yeah. They're a contractor company or what technology company or whatever the heck they are. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. So with Amazon, like they really give a lot of power to the, to the seller. Um, if I wanted to, I could ship the stuff to Amazon. So I wouldn't, I don't even have to warehouse it here at the house. Like I have like tables in the garage with like stuff that's already ready to go out versus stuff that needs to be added to the internet. Um, so that I mean that's that's but uh, you know what like the other question was what have I sold? Uh, I haven't even sold any books. At, well, I don't really have a lot of books, and the books I have I'm keeping because they're each one of them is special for one reason or another. Even though I don't read books for the most part. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's mostly old computer parts, uh, ho- old hard drives. Um, you know, old video games, old video game systems, controllers. Uh, what else have I sold? Oh, I, I sold a, a, a Ab Rocket. 
that I had laying around that I was like, maybe I could sell this thing on Wallapop for like 20 bucks. But apparently they were still going for like 80 bucks used on Amazon. So I was like, okay, there we go. And I, and that thing sold within like a day, you know, uh, old iPhones that I had laying around that I was just sitting on. Um, uh, old phones, just old, like, just all kind like old DJ equipment that I had just laying around. Like it really, really doesn't matter. And in some cases I was able to actually upsell a couple people on like, Hey, you bought this controller. Well, I have the flight case to go with that controller. So if we, you know, if you go into this link and you buy that flight case, it'll be one, you know, one shipping cost and you'll have a flight case to go. So you can bring it around to anywhere you want to go with it and ended up selling it. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, I, who knows? I would have been sitting on that flight case probably for a little while until somebody actually had a need for it. But because I'm, you know, able to jump right on it, contact the customer and be like, hey, uh, I'm going to the post office in like three hours. If you get back to me, I'll, I'll get you the flight case. And I'll and, and we worked on the price, too. I gave him a lower, a, a slightly di- like a discounted price just because I want, you know, I didn't want to have to ship this controller without a flight case because it might not have made it in one piece otherwise um oh and and i didn't even have to box it i just i literally just slapped the label on the flight case i zip tied the the op like the little like opening controls like the open and close it i zip tied them together and shipped it on its way um so yeah so i've sold i mean if you have uh all, all like any like literally anything uh, you can, you, and, and you're okay with able, if you're able to make it and ship it, like you're okay with making enough money and shipping it, uh, y- you know, you can pretty much sell anything you want used. And there's, there's definitely a market for the, the used stuff on Amazon. And like I said, it's great cause it's a marketplace versus you're, you know, it's a crap shoot on eBay. You don't know what you're getting. <clears throat> so yeah, Shane, uh, definitely. And I know Shane has a ton of Chromebooks a ton of tablets, a ton of, uh, like electronics and computers and like knickknacky things that if they really went through and started selling, like they bring in tons of money, hmm. tons and tons of money. Um, cause they're developers. So they have like all these old phones and tablets and like, they, they should be selling all that stuff. There's definitely a market for it. Um, how actually speaking of which Matt, how's it been going with your, your selling? uh, selling stuff things definitely slowed down i like you said i guess at this point i'm thinking about going back and trying to lower the prices on certain things because items are just kind of sitting there i mean it's not really i actually guess it is costing me money because i'm paying the storm that (laughs) that is true it is costing you money it's hashtag not paying its rent i really hate to start dropping the prices but i've had very little traction so and are you listing them on eBay? Like, are you talking about like board games or books or what do you? Uh, no, actually, com- oh, well, a combination of both. Uh, board games, books. A majority of it is DVDs, which aren't going to sell for much anyway. So I'm kind of surprised they haven't moved. <sighs> yeah, I know those. You know what you can do with those? Take them to Goodwill and get a tax write off. <laughs> that might have that's to. what you. And that honestly, that's probably what's going to happen to all my DVDs. Uh, you know, just it's, you it's, just it's, can't. It's, it's just not worth selling unless unless you hold a yard sale. But even then, you're tapping into such a small market yeah. for that. Well, that was another thing. My sister up. actually rented a table for a yard sale. So I, I thought, let me just get a bunch of stuff that's not moving. 
maybe I'll get lucky, and if not, yeah, the next step might just be goodwill for that stuff. But other things, you know, like the video games are moving at a steady rate. Music CDs, again, yeah. probably goodwill or yard sale. But uh, yeah, board games are kind of touch and go. Like board games, depends on the rarity of the game, depends on the condition, and depends on how many other people happen to be listing it. There's like certain games that I know are worth a lot that I don't want to cut the price on. But I don't know. It's kind of a toss up between like, hey, I'm paying to keep it, as opposed to I'm not going to make as much on it as I would want to. But at least I'm not longer paying to just you know keep it in one location instead of my hair. Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely. I um, I mean, fortunately, I don't have a storage unit that I'm paying for to keep keep stuff. Uh, it's just you know a ta- couple tables in my garage. But uh, yeah, you, you can't. You're not like there's only going to be certain things that you're like. Okay, here's a good example, right? So like I have, and and not that everybody knows what this is, but I have a graphics card that was like my old graphics card, and it should be going for between 80 to a hundred dollars right now on Amazon. But somebody I saw the other day dropped the, the price on theirs to 40 bucks. And I was like, dude, for 40 bucks, like I'm, it's better off me. Keep, Cause I'm using it right now on my home theater p- computer. So like for, for certain games and stuff like that, cause it still has a lot of value to it. Um, clearly, cause like I said, you should be able to get between 80 and a hundred dollars, but nobody's buying it at that rate. So for me, it's like, well, I'm using it like every day to watch movies and play games on. Um, it's not worth selling for 40 bucks because for 40 bucks, I couldn't go buy a new graphics card that was anywhere near the, per- the, the performance or the power that this, that this one, this older one is. So it doesn't make sense for me to get rid of it at that cheaper price. So I was like, you know what? I'll screw it. Screw it. I'll keep it at 80 bucks. If I can sell it for 80 bucks, then that's great. You know, I'd say more $80 more and I'll, I'll get by without it, but I'm not hurting to sell it for 80, you know, to make that quick 40 bucks just, just for the sake of selling it. Cause I'm using it, you know? Yeah. So it still has value. So, you know, it's, and like you said, there's no really no reason to just go out and like dump it for uh, <laughs> just anything. You can get. Yeah. Cause like I said, I can't just be like, Oh, I'll just go buy a newer card that has as much power as this old one does. You, you just can't do it so it's not it's not worth doing so you know it, in your case with the games like yeah there's gonna be some games that you're just like at some point if it, like if someone wanted to give me 400 dollars for this game then i'm gonna take 400 dollars. but until then i'm using it and it's just not worth getting but at least it's out there right and that's right. the other thing so with with ebay it costs money to list things right you it's like two bucks or something like that for every item with Amazon, it costs nothing. Like, I could list all kinds of stuff. Like, I could list list these microphones that we're using right this moment for, you know, five or $800, even though they're only worth about 275 used. Um, and if somebody wanted – but someone wanted to pay me 800 bucks, psh, I'll, I'll sell you any of these mics for 800 bucks. You, you know what I mean? Like, but that, – and that's okay. And I could have them listed. I could list uh, – I have a couple things. In fact, the underneath my turntables right here – I have some controllers. I don't think you can see them on the video, but I have these controllers over here. You can kind of see it in the video. Um, and they're listed, I think they're like 70 bucks used online. Uh, they're, as you can see, they're still here. They're not in the garage because they still have value. I'm still going to use them in the meantime. And if they do sell, then they sell. If they don't, then... No, you know, I'm still using them. You know what I mean? It's, it's it works out. Um, 
So the other there was something else that uh, that came up over the course of this week, and I wanted to talk about unfriending people on Facebook, <laughs> uh, because there's you know there's been some people that like I. Well, okay, we'll start with the lightest of them. The lightest of them is these people that have been reaching out on Facebook. But the thing is, they're not actually reaching out. They're just sending a friend request. And I'm like, and I've seen other people complain about this too. Like like friends of friends and friends that I'm friends with complaining about all these people that are just like mutual friending up, if you will. They're like, hey, I see that Matt's friends with Joe. So I'm going to, you know, friend request Joe because me and Joe have... 10 people in common so we mustn't you know we got to get to know each other but the thing is is then they never actually reach out they never send a message they never um write on my wall or anything they're just like oh now i have 10 more people i can go and check out because we all have we have more mutual friends and before you know it i have some of these people that have like 100 mutual friends that are like you might know these people and i'm like i don't know these people and why are they friend requesting me oh because we have 100 mutual friends so we must know each other but we don't and it's actually kind of like i don't have the problem where with facebook you only get five thousand friends right and i haven't gotten to that point i'm at like 1800 something a little over 1800 but I want to I want to kind of pare some of that back already because I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm at five thousand like some like some people I know and some people I'm friends with where they're like yeah I'm at four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine and I can't like I can't accept your friend request unless I start dumping other people and that takes time so I'm like you know I don't want to get to that point at least not intentionally um, so I want to try to do everything I can to prevent that from happening so I've been thinking about this. And there's some people that I don't know. And then there's some people that I know. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really like these people that much. They're pretty negative all the time. Or they're pretty, they're like jerks all the time. Or they're always like saying these, you know, things to get other people all riled up. And and they know what they're, like, they're just trying to like stir the, the hornet's nest, if you will. For like no reason at all. And I know there's the unfollow button. You know, I, I, like, I get that, but <laughs> I, you know, I, Matt, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting to the point where it just like, I don't care. Like it, like I've got, like, I have enough friends. I have enough, not enough friends, but, um, I don't know how to say it without sounding conceited. <laughs> I mean, for me, I don't know if this is what the point you're getting to, but I use Facebook for really, two purposes one keeping track of events that i've been invited to and then most people are really bad at right and then two just keeping track of like upcoming concerts and that's about it it's same reason i use twitter like on twitter i'll find out about concerts in advance of a say like an email notification uh so i can get to you know tickets ahead of time and and that's pretty much it i don't go in there i don't tweet i don't really post much on facebook because if i'm not doing something with somebody then they already know what's going on i don't really feel the need to post about it because i mean i don't care <laughs> i don't think well i just I, I just assume nobody else cares or if they did they would have said hey what are you doing this weekend and they would have been there experienced it and plus you know if anybody ever wanted to look i have pictures but i don't know i, I just don't really it, it's a social platform that i guess i'm not using to its fullest potential uh, at the same time like but i have used <laughs> that unfollow button quite a bit because i get some some people will just post non-stop and i just 
I want to go in there and just get a quick highlight of what's going on. I don't want to read about, like, my dog did this, my dog did that. I know it's, like, you know, first world problems, but, and like, it's my Facebook feed. And, you know, I just don't want to put up with it. And then people get offended. How'd you not know I was doing this? Well, I'm sorry. I can't pick and choose which stories from you I unfollow if you're the one posting them. If you're reposting something else, I can say I don't want to see posts from, you know, this particular website. But it's right. if it's you posting... I'm sorry I missed the one important thing that you couldn't call me and tell me, hey, I got robbed and all my money was taken out of my bank account and I'm really hurting here. I How did you not know? Gee, you think it, like one, as one of your best friends, you would have called me and said something or like sent a text, not just like posted on Facebook, assuming that, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not following you 24-7, you know, Kanye. It's like, oh, stop, yeah. stop, stop. But uh... <laughs> just saying. No, I, I I hear you, but I I've avoided the unfollow button because of that very reason. Like, cause I don't want to. I, I guess I have fear of missing out. That like, oh no, I'm gonna miss out on that one opportunity. Um, there was like that one time that something important actually happened. But but what I've noticed is that so like with Facebook especially, so many people are posting so much stuff that like there's important events that have like hundreds, like a hundred or 150 likes on something that I have to refresh my feed on my phone like three or four times in a row right. before it comes to the top. And I'm like, this was the important thing. Like, somebody got married or somebody died. Like, so why am I not seeing this in the front versus, so, like, all this other crap from these other people? So Facebook needs to make a way to better sort critical events as opposed to just, like... Well, it used nonsense. to just be right. If people wrote congratulations in the comments, that was enough to get it, like, juiced up to the top. So, like, you could technically game the, the fee- Facebook feed and just get, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of fake accounts or somebody, uh, something, and just have them all write congratulations um, to, to give it even more juice. Now, since then, they've, they've, you know, they've obviously have changed their feed. And, in fact, I was just reading an article about they're working on um, – they have a new initiative where they're talking about, like, the quality of the feed, right? Trying to continue to improve the quality of the feed of what people are seeing and all that. So – they're they're trying they they you know they're not just sitting around not doing anything about it but even just like you know like with outlook you can send an email and market high priority what about like a high priority facebook post you know everything's gonna be high priority well (laughs) all right obviously there's some way to kind of regulate that but for the people at least would use it responsibly be like oh hey here's my list of high priority facebook you know here's my high priority feed feed here's my regular feed I can view them separately or I can combine well, them all can. together. You, yeah. you know, what you can do is you can um, designate close friends mm-hmm. and then that's, you can, it actually creates a separate feed oh, does it? Okay. just for that, for like family acquaintances. But the thing is I, most people aren't going through those separate, like I'm not going through those separate most feeds. Most people won't even pick up the phone. So. Yeah. Well, well, that's unless it's yeah. to check their Facebook. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's tough, but I, I just have gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't feel like I need these fake people in my life anymore. Well, when you say fake people, you mean people that are, as you said, I guess just friends by association and, and not even friends, really. It's just, yeah. It's yeah. like, hey, I know a guy that knows guys. So now we're like best buds. Well, no, well, that's not fa- All right. So that's not <laughs> fake friends, right? right? That's that's like those are the people that are going to go first. <laughs> those are the people getting the axe first. But but after that, it's like people that you know are supposed to be there's you know you're, you're supposed to be close with them right uh but you're not and you 
you know, and it's a touchy subject because, like, I look, I try to respect the fact that everybody has an opinion and everybody's free to say that on their social media as they see fit, and that's on them, right? Like, that's that's great. Um, I I've seen some things where I'm like, you know, I I don't want to be the guy that gets offended. I'm not offended, but at the same time, I don't want to keep company with people that just want to make jerky comments to like stir the 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 high you know the oh, no, you know and i've been on the other end of that i mean you know i've been you know it's like you gotta be able to say what you want to say and you can't be worried about other people are gonna think i mean yeah you could say matt's an eskimo racist because you know all the things i was posting but you know what i want to go on record and say that's not true i'm not an eskimo racist and if you don't <laughs> like my facebook feed you can just unfollow me or better yet i can go and, and filter out what i like to call the toxic friends you know because like they're friends but they have all these negative attributes that outweigh their their positives you know like you said they're they're constantly negative they're constantly causing trouble like they, they're they're i mean drama queen's not the right word but they just they can't leave well enough alone they just they're not happy unless everybody else is not miserable but upset at least and it's like i don't i don't want that in my life i don't want that negativity and all that Constant negativity. Constant, right? Everybody yeah. has a bad day or, or even a bad week or bad months or sometimes years. Yeah, one off. But, I mean, when you see there's a consistent pattern to somebody, you really have to ask yourself, well, even as a friend, do they have to stay a friend? If all they're doing is, you know, it's like get away the good against the bad and it's more bad than good. I mean, there, there's a certain sense of loyalty to longtime friends. But on the other hand, if somebody's just – change so much and not because of like some uh, like drugs or alcohol or something you can go and get them help it's just i don't know they just some one day woke up as a different angry person <laughs> is that uh, you know should you should you have to be subjected to that and especially on your facebook feed where you know it's so easy maybe too easy to unfriend somebody <laughs> well yeah and I, again this doesn't have to be all about my social safe space or right. all that like again this isn't about being offended necessarily mm-hmm. or un- or unnecessarily uh but just like you know they're it's just like i said the first people that are going to go are the people that i don't actually know <laughs> i've never interacted with that's fair enough um right yeah because like i shouldn't have accepted their friend request in the first place because i didn't know who they were and they weren't reaching out to me um and then second off because they can follow you right like if you turn on your follow button sure um supposedly the way it's supposed to work though i I was doing some research on it and apparently back in 2013 it wasn't bulletproof uh when you unfriend somebody they are set to follow you same as when if you uh matt if you send me a friend request Mm -hmm. right if we weren't friends yeah um and i didn't reply to it (laughs) you become a follower of me until like I just went through last night to look at my my sent friend request. I had a ton of sent friend requests, that, and I was like, "What? what some of these people just like never go on Facebook?" I I you know I did, I unfollowed all of them, like all but two. I I gave two people a pass, and one of them actually this morning because I had just friend requested them on like Friday night. Uh, this mo- or this morning or last night they got back and said yes. So now I have one person that gets a pass. And I don't even remember who the person is, so they probably won't get a pass for much longer. Yeah, this this is off topic, but this sounds so much like Puzzle and Dragons, where I have like a friends list of fifty people, and I'm looking for any like arbitrary reason to bump somebody off, so like I can leave some open spaces. Like, oh, that guy hasn't logged on in two days. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the hospital. Nope, it's off the friends list. 
Are you only get fifty people. You can only get fifty friends. Nah, unless or you, you have to pay for more or something. Uh, technically, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't care if he's out getting surgery. He was. He didn't log in in twenty four hours. You're out of here. I don't care if we've been friends in five, you know since five years. I wonder how many. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder how just, many, I how many actually, you got bumped off when I, your that's phone why I wonder broke. I wonder if anybody looks at that list and they get offended like how dare you <laughs> well you know and that's a good that's a good thing to bring up right because there, there's some people where it's like I don't I don't want to send the wrong message but at the same time like I'm not really feeling the love mm-hmm. either you know so it's like what up bro like we, what am I supposed to do I mean, I've unfriended people just because it's people I don't talk to or just like, they never, you know, I don't see them anymore. I'm like, eh, you know, clear some space. I I know it sounds, it sounds harsh. Well, hey, everything's got to pay rent, But right? hey, like, uh, right. There's only 5,000. There's no, you know, it's no, a finite amount of friends. There's no have. emotional rent being paid. And, you know, it takes, takes two to tango. And if I'm the one constantly making the effort to reach out. And then uh, once in a while, I, I get like a, a two word text. I'm like, eh, I guess we're done. You know, like we're, I guess it's over. If we were friends, we're clearly not anymore. So, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I I hate I, I really hate being that way. Um, but at the same time, my feed has gotten overrun by like a handful of people that like because that's the thing. If you, if they post so much, yeah, and I'm and I stop like because Facebook knows right. Like if you stop and hover over a post. They know you're reading that post. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Actually. They they know, right? Yeah. So that means that in in theory, you want to see more of their posts. If you click on their profile, you're going to start seeing a and just do it. Just do it yourself. Just go on your phone. Just let, type in a person's name that you haven't seen on your Facebook feed in a while. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they've been posting. You just haven't been seeing it. Mm. Now that you've typed in their name and hit hit, hit search <laughs> and clicked on their name, you're going to start seeing every single one of their posts. And if you don't start liking it, those posts will start disappearing. Right, but the problem is, is there like you get to the point where there's you have so many people and they're all posting so much that you like I said like in a case where like somebody got married, I had to like refresh two or three yeah. or four times yeah. like through the feed to be like, oh my god, somebody got married yesterday, and there's like people are still liking the post, and I, I had to refresh to see it. So unless it's trending, you're not gonna find out about it. <laughs> Yeah, unless pretty, you're actively, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. The, the trending thing does come up. So, you know, if you're getting married, get your your marriage trending, <laughs> and apparently it'll come up in my feed so I can yeah. like it and uh, congratulate you. I mean, it's the first thing my eyes draw into every time I log in. So, is it trend- I, do I? That's how I get most of my news at this point. Is I, is the trending list? What's trending? I don't know. Usually, you find out. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Usually, Facebook it's not always first. the most important news. No, well, yeah, no, it's a lot. But of at least it gives you enough to like. You could stay on top of like. Uh, You're topical. Uh, yeah. Pop pop culture topic type stuff. Uh, you know, Prince died. Hey, that's a good thing to know. People are going to be talking about it. I should. Yeah, you know, yeah. have some idea. Yeah, no, d- d- yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. You definitely should know that. It shouldn't yeah. be like four days later, <laughs> and you're like, "What do you mean, Prince died? <laughs> what? Purple who? <laughs> yeah, pur- purple what? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the that that's that's it. That's all I want to say. And I I look, I don't. I'm not going to be trying to make like some big like, well, if you don't like my post, then I guess I'm be looking for the unfriend hammer coming down your way. Because... Hey, you better check your friends count. You, you might be, uh, might be lower already. People are dropping, you know, uh, may- hey, yeah. maybe they are. I Preemptive don't know. Strike. There's been quite a people, quite a few people viewing this over the course of the last <laughs> hour that we've been recording. Hey, they're checking their feeds live on, uh, live on Facebook, uh, Facebook live, uh, facebook.com backslash Pardo Joe. 
here on Monday. We don't, you know, the thing is about these, Matt, is we don't have like a set time for when we do these. So we've done like ones at night. We've done ones during mm-hmm. the morning. We've done ones now. It's like 1230. So we've done them in the afternoon. We, we've recorded a, like all hours on Monday. And I kind of like that because I always like, I always have a lot of things going on on Mondays, it seems. So it's good that like I, we're able to be flexible rather than like Matt, we gotta get it. Oh, come on, we gotta go. We gotta do this. We gotta get it. You know, get this recording in. And and of course afterwards, I had to do all the editing, like stitching all this together to get it ready for for production for Tuesday morning at eight a.m. I'm I'm sure if your listeners are bothered by the you know variable time frame, they they would let you know. So, yeah, nobody's let me know that yet. Um, yeah. But I will say that we, you know, we've had um, over the course. I mean, we've had two hundred plus views just on Facebook Live alone, and the downloads for the show itself have gone uh, have gone and trended upwards. So uh, these these um, these Facebook Live pre shows that we've been doing have uh, definitely been help. I, I in my eyes, they've been helping, and they they help me because I get ideas out that I you know otherwise would have to wait till I have a guest with like a topic that they're talking about that I could relate to a topic that's on my mind to a topic, you know, that if I even wrote it down and, uh, coming up with topics has not been hard. Um, I don't, in fact, there's like three more topics here. I'm just going to push them off the next week. Cause my voice is getting tired <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, so, so the whole Facebook friend unfriend thing, like I, again, I'm not crazy about doing it, but I think it's something that uh, the, I'm definitely gonna, at the very least have to go through and, and get rid of these people that I have no idea who they are. <laughs> uh, and I feel bad because, you know, I feel like there's some people that I'm going to actually forget. So I'm going to have to make a list of people that like that I have to research. Maybe I maybe I did. Re- they reached out to me before and I don't remember. And I had a conversation with them. Maybe that is, you know, maybe they are. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I'm just imagining seeing the cop drama where they had the, you know, the big pin up board and they get the little string going from person to person <laughs> you're trying to sit there and like okay how do i know that person back in 1997 i, I saw this guy at mcdonald's and then that let me <laughs> trying to like sort i mean could you imagine especially with like what hundreds of people i mean forget about it yeah yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to you know do a little research on some of these but there's quite a few hmm. um that i will definitely be able to just axe right away and and that's it I just I can only imagine, Joe. I'm your brother. I didn't even know I had a brother. <laughs> so many friends on Facebook. Actually, I have a couple of friends that are named Joe Pardo right. on my. Fr- <laughs> that I only one of them have I actually had like a real conversation with, mm-hmm. um, because he he Googled his name, found me, and thought it was awesome. So he reached out to me via email, <laughs> and uh, he lives in Spain. That's cool. And yeah, 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 it's real cool. I I really uh, so yeah. So we ended up becoming Facebook friends. And I think it was just his birthday uh, the other day, like yesterday or two days ago. Oh. So so happy birthday, Joe Pardo. It's, it's interesting. It's a good initiative. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, again, I want to remind everybody that May 20th uh, of this year, 2016, on May 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, We'll be raising money for Give Kids the World at superjoepardo.com backslash live or forward slash. Is it forward slash? Forward slash live. Forward, forward slash. slash live. I'm, I'm doing the backslash here. It's good. Everybody uh, does. Forward slash live. Um, 
and you know come check it out we'll be playing games for charity for every minute to win a game that is succeeded or succeeded one at one completed 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 uh i will personally be donating ten dollars to give kids the world so uh the goal is to raise over a thousand dollars this year we raised six hundred dollars in three hours last year we're gonna go for a thousand dollars there's gonna be previous guests hopefully a couple live maybe one or two live performances uh from some previous guests uh which i have to talk to still so rich if you're (laughs) listening uh feel free to reach out i'm gonna try to text you soon um and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time so looking forward to you know everybody having the opportunity opportunity to uh to donate for a great cause like give kids the world uh my the stay tuned because the actor tommy g kendrick is coming up in the interview just after the after the break here and matt i uh, thank you for joining me once again it's been a lot of fun thank you joe thank you for having me on so i could i could spout my uh anti-native canadian rhetoric and uh <laughs> yeah it's been a great podcast uh well i, I just want i just want to say that matt's views do not uh <laughs> Do not reflect the show or Joe Pardo's views. Um, of course, I'm, I'm joking Canadian. and I'm referencing uh, one of my favorite South Park episodes. So. Yes, South Park is awesome. Uh, they are they are true geniuses uh, beyond their time and wisdom. All right. Well, uh, and unfortunately, Ava did not join us, but she's been really yeah. fussy, so it probably wouldn't have worked out too well mm. <laughs> right now anyway. Uh, again, stay tuned for Tom- the interview with Tommy G. Kendrick. Hey Dreamers, this show is made possible by listeners like you. If you love the work that has been done so far, please consider going to howtodream.co slash donate to contribute. Thank you so much for your consideration and support. Hey Dreamers, today I am talking with Tommy G. Kendrick, who is making his dreams come true by being a professional actor. Tommy, it's great to have you on the show today. Hey, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're quite welcome. Uh, a good friend of mine, very good friend of mine, uh, Doc Kennedy, is the one that reached out to make sure that I got you on my show because you are apparently such a dreamer and deserve a spot on this show. Well, I'll have to talk to Doc, yeah. <laughs> no, Doc's, Doc, Doc's a great guy. He's someone. He's a newer friend to me. But the one thing I know about him is he loves to help people. And uh, you know, he's really been a, a help to me, and I appreciate that about him. And it's, it's great to be here with you on this show today. Oh, well, thank you. And, yes, he does love to help people just like me, and that's why I think we get along so well. So it's, it's always great to network with people through other people uh, and getting to meet other people and expanding our, our reach to like-minded individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And in my business, in the acting business, in, in fact, that's an incredibly important aspect of the ba- of the business, what we always call networking. But what it really is about and what helps one in this career is establishing relationships. Most definitely. You know, networking is the uh, it's not a short word, but it's a short phrase to describe making new friends uh, without sounding corny. Uh, or, or I guess like as if we were on the, um, the schoolyard playing as kids and, you know, oh, I made new friends today at school. 
Yeah, and and quite frankly, the word networking, I think, has some less than terrific connotations. It's been used so much over the you know the last few years. It it some people use it to mean how can I use someone else to help myself, rather than how can I meet someone and establish a relationship with them so that we are friends and that we can help each other and however that needs to happen. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult sometimes to make that um, that separation there, right? And and because so many people do use it as a is that a is that like a coffee like was that a mug or is that like the actual like thing you make the coffee? Oh, okay, it is a mug. It <laughs> it's looks just like a... you know what I'm, I'm thinking, right? It looks like a coffee pot. Yeah, yes, I drink straight from the coffee pot. <laughs> <laughs> And man, is it hot! Yeah. yeah well, hey, you know, so they different uh, different strokes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The lips, the lips stay chapped. Yeah. So. <laughs> but no, the, with with the networking and and making friends and and it's it, that's all really what it is, it, and it's what it should be. Um, if you're, you know, trying to do it for reasons that are less than, um, I can't think of what the word I'm looking for, uh, authentic. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it for that reason, usually people find that out pretty quick. And uh, and especially if you're, uh, you know, you're a good judge of character or something like that, you, you find out and then you're just like, yeah, I'll I'll talk to that person. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, yeah. not going to be the first person I call. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's it's, um, you know, when it gets into the sort of overt, I'm trying to sell you something, you know, it you know sometimes that just that just doesn't work too well. I took a seminar oh a year or two ago with a fellow uh, through the SAG-AFTRA Actors Conservatory here in Austin, and it was about social media. And one of the things he said that really stuck with me about using social media was don't use it to broadcast what you're doing. Use it to gather information and see how you can help solve somebody else's problem. Because if you're just broadcasting, if every time you tweet or have some social media, it's all just showing, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Come look at me. Well, you don't really get that much of a, of a response from that. So Yeah, and a lot of times, even if you do get a response, it's probably not the response that you're looking for or to the level that it could be, right? Like if right. you had, oh, you know, tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and every time you post a picture, you're getting, you know – Oh, I don't know, two, three, four, five hundred likes, maybe, maybe ten comments, but it's like you you have like thirty thousand followers. Where's the where's the proof that you know what I mean? Like what's ten yeah. comments out of thirty thousand people? <laughs> a, over a, a a hockey stadium worth of people, you know, yeah. almost to a baseball stadium level of right. amount of people that you're broadcasting out to and the response that you're getting is just a couple like like one percent are liking it and less than point zero 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 one or have anything to say about it yeah yeah so it's you know i'm trying to learn that not to be to make these things just a a broadcast medium and, it, and it's something you really have to you know figure out and understand how to do it's not it's not easy it doesn't come naturally to me that's for sure no i think for a lot of people it, it doesn't but uh i think what you know sometimes what it can do is um you know, it can give people that that fee, that FOMO, that fear of missing out, is what you're you're probably looking to do. Is uh, you know, it doesn't have to be bragging necessarily, but like, hey, I'm jumping out of a plane today. Like, that's pretty cool and should be on social media. Uh, but you know, hey, I had a bagel for lunch. Okay, yeah. well, I, if you're trying to make an event out of your bagel, then I, let's let's go back to the drawing board a little bit. 
Yeah, congrats on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy, I would love for you to yeah. get going with uh, how, with how, <laughs> I would love you to get started by talking about your background and how you got to where you see. There was that how word, uh, how you got to where you are today. Well, it's been it's been quite a journey. I've been a professional actor for about forty years, so I'm, that it tells you two things. It tells you I'm an old goat. And that, and that I'm uh, I'm persistent. So you know, if I had looked back at uh, you know when I was a kid and what I was dreaming about doing, I didn't necessarily see myself ending up here because early in my life, my dreams were less focused. I was kind of a Walter Mitty guy who had a rich fantasy life, and I I wanted to be something, but I didn't have a focus on what it was. And I was also very shy, so it's uh, it's an interesting career choice for a shy, sort of awkward kid to grow into being an actor who stands up in front of people because that was not something I was ever comfortable doing earlier in my life. So, um, you know, it really started with me in high school. And I came to a point where I had always wanted to be in the drama club but I was just too shy to do it. I was afraid. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid people would laugh at me for the wrong reasons, all those kind of things. And when it came time going into my senior year, I knew I had one more shot at it. And I almost said, no, I just, I'm just not going to do it. But I really, really wanted to. And I knew that if I didn't, I would forever regret it. I got into drama club and boy, it was like coming home. And the rest of my life, of course, was sort of on its way from there. Oh, man. You know, and, and that's such a, a problem for – and I know it's a problem for me too because I, I felt the same – not the same way about act, like acting, but like maybe after high school I, I realized like, man, uh, you know, maybe I would have liked to do that a little bit more than I, I didn't get – than I didn't take the opportunity to do it. Uh, yeah. But But, you know – I'm glad that you did because obviously it was life altering. It, it really was. I mean, I, I had this desire in my heart. I just didn't know exactly what the desire was. But when I got into that class and I had a great high school teacher, he's uh, uh, deceased, unfortunately, Bill Morton was his name, but he was just a great teacher. And he saw something in me that he encouraged. He encouraged me to write. He encouraged me to get up and perform and all those things. And then, you know, when, when it came time to go to college, I knew exactly what I wanted to go into was, you know, theater or speech and theater. And in, in my little college, we didn't even have a film department or anything, but it was a combined speech and theater. And so I did that and I did every play I could get in for the next four years. And, you know, it was, it was on from there. So... So, okay, so what what's some of the first steps that you took once you decided that this was going to be a career for you? Well, that's kind of interesting. Even even in college, I wasn't sure because I, I got a teaching degree and I thought, well, I'll be a drama teacher like Mr. Morton was. And it took one week, I think it was about one week in student teaching to realize, no, 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 no. I do not. I do not want to be here. And I actually went on a on a retreat for with a with a group I was a part of in college. It was a religious retreat, and the whole thing was one of the speakers was talking about well what are, what are you supposed to do with the rest of your life? What are you called to do? And he talked about well what are the things you're passionate about? What are the things you think about most in your life? You spend most of your day thinking about what are your dreams tied to? If you could do 
anything you wanted to do, what would it be? Listen to those things that you're you're dreaming about and you're thinking about and you're passionate about. Maybe those the things or that thing is what you're supposed to be doing. And that just sort of crystallized the moment for me. And, you know, and I, I started to pursue it from there. Went from college to the Dallas Theater Center and stayed there for three years doing some great, great theater work. Started freelancing, doing commercials and things in Dallas. Moved from there, spent 15 years in Los Angeles and, you know, just on and on. So, Are you still in Los Angeles now? No, I live in the Austin, Texas area. Yeah, we we were there 15 years. We lived through the uh, Northridge earthquake in 94, and that was about it. My family said, okay, we're ready to come back. So I still loved Los Angeles and still do. But, uh, you know, unless I wanted to stay by myself, it was uh, time to relocate back to Texas. And and that's been a great move, actually. There's been a lot of work in this market. And the way the business has changed, there's a lot of regional work uh, in different pockets throughout the country. It's not all centered in Los Angeles or New York anymore. Yeah, it seems to be that way, especially like in a, the, Georgia. Atlanta has become huge in that uh, in that movement. I'd Atlanta like, like is how Disney wanted Orlando to be that way, but it just never got traction. Yeah, uh, Atlanta is exploding with with uh, production. They're building a lot of infrastructure, studio spaces, and that sort of thing. I was telling somebody the other day. I can't remember. I think it was the last pilot season. It used to be that all the television pilots, a hundred percent, were shot in Hollywood, or maybe a few would be in New York, but virtually a hundred percent in Hollywood, and. Hollywood over the last few years hasn't even been the biggest market where uh, pilots have been produced. And a year or so ago uh, in the pilot season, I think there were 30 or 40 television pilots shot in Atlanta. That's a huge shift in the way business is produced. Yeah, well, I, and the only reason I know that is because some of my favorite shows are that that made in Georgia with the peach. Yeah. Uh, logo on it at the end of each episode. So absolutely, yeah. it's 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 crazy. I mean, it's it's good though. It's good for well, I, maybe it's good for LA, L- LAites, if you will, because maybe uh, they could like get some less traffic going on there because people. Yeah, have- would would take more than that. Trust me, it, and it, <laughs> and it's uh, it's it's hard it's hard for people in LA because the business has been centered there for so long that. It's it's hard when you've had your whole life there and your family and you can stay at home in L.A. and work. Now, a lot of the people, especially crew people as well as actors, they're having to travel a lot to stay employed. So, it's you know, it's, there's always a challenge in the business. Hmm. Well, you know, it's not the it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So how, how did your family take all this acting business? Like when you were getting started and, and go like deciding like, this is what, what burns inside of me to go and, and march on with it. Oh, they disowned me. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they <laughs> well, it made me feel bad there. Like, man, I shouldn't have asked that question. Maybe. No, I, I, I came from a very blue collar family. My dad was an auto mechanic and my, my mom was a homemaker or she worked at a department store when we, you know, when we needed extra money coming in. And so they, and that was part of the challenge for me is that I had no mentors. I had no relative in the business. I didn't know anyone in the business. I didn't have anyone in my family that was, you know, an overtly creative sort. So I was sort of the outlier, but they were always extremely supportive. 
I don't think uh, until the day they both died, my parents, I don't think they exactly understood what it was I was what it was I was doing in a way, although they would see me on TV or in commercials or on a movie or something. I certainly understood that. But they were they were nef- never anything but uh, supportive. My mom always said, you know, whatever you do, if it's this or something else, you know, just do your best and and don't and finish. Don't stop. You know, keep going. And so they were real supportive. Well, the, the importance of that. I mean, my, my grandparents were the same way, um, maybe a little bit more than my pa- than my parents were. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, it was it, it, it was those types of statements made by certain people in your life that you respected and, and looked up to and uh, that that make all the world a difference. Oh, absolutely. My mom was quite a character. She just passed away in October and she was oh. 98. 98 years old, three months shy of 99. We were already starting to sort of think about, well, what are we going to do for her 100th birthday? Because she seemed to be in such good health for her age. And, you know, some things happened and and she went, she was ready to go though. She kept, she kept saying, why is God leaving me here on this earth? I'm ready to go. (laughs) But she taught me a a lot of lessons like that. She was a tenacious uh, person who had a, uh, she was, I, I sort of liken her to the frontier people. I mean, she, of course she was 98 years old. So she had a bit of that sort of grit and gumption that people don't necessarily have today. I think, I mean, you just, you didn't settle for, for no, you didn't ask the government for help. You did it yourself. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you kept marching forward. And that's sort of what, uh, she taught me. And that's, you know, that's sort of, how I've tried to live my life. I don't always do it as well as she did, but, uh, and in this business, you're going to find times when you get derailed and you think, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? But if you really have that dream and that belief in your heart that you're, that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, you know, you may have a momentary um, period of doubt, but you pick yourself up and say, no, keep going, keep going. So, well, you know, yeah, I mean, well, being almost 100 years old, you figure that puts it back. She was born in 1916. Uh, you know, a lot of the people that she was probably around were, you know, in from the 1800s. You know, that, <laughs> exactly. where there yep. was no like, oh, I'll just call the police or I'll just do this or I'll just, you know, you know what I mean? Like there was no the government was still like forming. It, you know, yeah. it wasn't until like the, the what, the 20s and 30s that the government really started to congeal. Uh, and especially in the forties that it congealed into like what it is today. Yeah. People her age just had to be more self-sufficient maybe than we do today. So <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And yeah. She, they, exactly. Yeah. They grew their food. They processed their food. You know, they ate what they grew, that kind of thing. And they made clothes from some of the animals that they, uh, that they had and those kinds of things. Yeah. It was a different lifestyle. Absolutely. Definitely. And I'm really sorry to hear that she passed, even though she apparently was ready uh, to move on. Well, we, we miss her, but, she, but you know, we, we know that truly she is in a better place. She was a, had a, a very strong faith and, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for her and sad for me, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Um, well, moving on to something a little, well, actually, probably <laughs> just as bad or almost as bad. What, what's been the biggest roadblock for you, Tommy? Biggest roadblock, probably my own self doubts, 
you know, over overcoming those. And, you know, that's a constant, a constant battle. It's a, it's a very difficult industry because, well, for a lot of reasons, we don't have time to talk about all of them, but a, an actor is his or her own product in many ways. So you, you talk about rejection and all that, and, and it is a part of the business. Uh, there's an actor friend of mine who, who wrote a really great book that I like. Uh, Marcus Flanagan is his name, and he has a book called One Less Bitter Actor. And and it and it's a it's a great book. Every young actor, especially, should have it. And he talks about how we're trained to accept bitterness, or not bitterness, accept rejection as a part of the business. And you know, we we expect to be rejected in a way because it's talked about so much in the business. And you know, we we do really have to find a different way to look at rejection in this business it's just you just have to move on to the next opportunity and understand what the success was in that moment if it's an audition you do and you don't get the job it does you know yes in a sense you were rejected but otherwise you went in you made your choices you did what you intended to do and it either works out or it doesn't it's it doesn't mean that you're a bad actor because you didn't get the job but it's always a, a battle to overcome those kinds of uh, or the doubts that can creep in. And so I think probably self-doubt, which goes back to my childhood of, of being a shy, insecure person. There's still some of that in there that I have to battle on every single day. Now, getting on that, I, I, I do have a question about. When you go in and you, and you do like a read, right? Um, do you re- do you generally read it how they asked you to read it, or do you just like, nah, I'm just gonna ignore that and do it myself? Well, they don't generally ask you to read it a certain way necessarily, at least on the first time. So generally, what happens is you're provided with what we call sides, which are just a few pages of the script, would be the scene or scenes that they want you to come in and perform, and so you try to memorize or you do, I think it's best to have all that memorized, actually. And when you walk into the room, so generally there can be, if it's a a film or television show, there can be one person to 10 people sitting in a room and they've got a video camera running and you do your scene. And if they like it, they may say, okay, that was good. Now do this slightly differently or that. They'll give you what we would call an adjustment. And some of that can be because they, they didn't, you didn't do quite what they wanted most often it might just be uh, so they can see if you could take direction and change what you did. But you, the actor, decide what you're going to do. Those are your choices that you take into the room. Oh, okay. I, well, I wasn't, I wasn't sure because uh, I've never actually done that before. But, yeah. but I was under the impression that some, the, they would we'd give you like a direction and then you uh, – or, or a way they would like it read. And then, but, but then sometimes if you didn't get it, it's like, well – that guy who did get it didn't do anything you said, and they just ended up liking that a lot better. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you usually, at least in commercials, you might see someone else's audition, but in film and television, you almost certainly will never see what someone else did in the room. You go in individually. Now, what they will do is if, if they've had a bunch of people coming in already and nobody's getting it, nobody's giving them what they want, they may come out to the room and say, listen up. Here's here's what they're looking for in terms of maybe a tone of performance. If it's a comedy or drama, there may be some slight something that they really want in terms of tone. And they'll say, you know, so everybody's 
reading it this way and that's not what they want you're go you're going off track but they generally avoid trying to give the actor line readings or that much specific direction unless it's just not working in the room for a number of people that are coming in to audition hmm. uh so i mean how, how many things have you been in do, do you know off the top of your head well, I, I don't have a number. I mean, when I first started off my career, I did mostly commercials. And I think I did about 50 commercials early in my career. I mean, a lot. Um, and then, and, and I had a niche. I was a young, I played younger than my age at that time. So I, w- I could play this young sort of nerdy guy. And I did a ton of commercials as that guy. And I was in California by that time. And I started working out there right away when I got there. And I was so full of confidence is one of the reasons why confidence is a huge thing in, in, for an actor, you know, and, but then you age, you don't get frozen in time. And so I grew out of that look and that age range that I was very, very successful in. And so after that, it became, you know, more of a struggle to find, you know, what it was or where I fit in and started doing more film and television more and more sporadically than I was doing commercial work. But, um, yeah. So I can't remember what you asked me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, it was it was it was this. <laughs> it was if you knew uh, the number of things that you had. Been oh, okay, in. okay, yeah. So so um, you know, I've I've been in a number of film and television projects, and they're on IMDb. You can look those up. They don't have any of the commercial stuff there. And like I said earlier in my career, that's I done a ton of uh, commercials and what we used to call industrials. They now call them educational films and, and projects and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I've done pretty much everything that you can do on camera. I, you know, I've done commercials, I've done uh, movies and television. And so, you know, a bit of everything. So oh, that's awesome. Um, so before you got into acting and, and figured out that that was the path that you wanted to go on, what was your childhood dream gr- uh, growing up? Well, as I said, I was kind of a Walter Bitty. I was all over the place. I just wanted to be something. I think I just wanted to be something that people would be interested in. And so I would lie in, in my bed at night and I would be, uh, you know, sometimes maybe the typical things, a fireman or the or a cowboy. Westerns were huge when I was growing up. So, you know, I, I would be Roy Rogers or somebody or an actor, but I was drawn and I didn't even really know at that time to performance. And so I, I guess if I had to put it on a dream is I wanted, I dreamed even before I knew of what it was of doing what I'm doing right now. So. Well, speaking of what you're doing right now, would you say that you had one or maybe one or two favorite things that you've played in? Yeah, you know, they're they're like your children. They're they're all they're all favorites for for different reasons. Um, you know, I loved a little independent film I did called Dancer Texas Population 81, and I loved it because it's such a simple, wonderful story. And uh, it was a great time shooting that. I loved the Alamo uh, because I got five or six weeks work on it. And so, you know, the more you work, the more money you make. And, you know, after all, it's a business and you'd like to make as much money as you can. But also on the Alamo, it was it was uh, maybe the only time I'll ever have the opportunity to work in a huge budget Hollywood movie that's a great scope. I mean, it's like 
It's like the old Westerns, the John Wayne Westerns, like his The Alamo or The Searchers or something like that, these huge uh, productions. And it was that that was really special because of that. You know, I liked a, an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger I did uh, years ago where I played a mentally challenged witness to a crime. It's one of the characters I've ever done. I loved that character. And I, you know, I loved being, it was a well-written uh, episode and a well-written scene. And so, you know, it was great, great to play that character. So each one of them, you know, has a little special thing in there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what what do your dreams for the future look like, Tommy? You know what? I'm, as a friend of mine said a year or so ago when I was interviewing him, he had just produced his first feature film and he was about my age and I and I asked him about that you know I said well you know Michael I'd, I've known you as a really good actor for years I didn't know you were a writer and and now a, a filmmaker and he said well Tommy I'm in the fourth quarter I got to get things done I don't have time to sit and wait you know so so my dreams are to stay healthy and to use the modern technology that we have which which we are so, so fortunate as people in this business, the, the film business, to have equipment costs and, and the technology costs come down to the, to the everyman level where anyone can go out and make a project or create content. Back when I started, if an actor wanted to work, and this wasn't totally true, but it was certainly what we bought into as true, you sat and you waited for your agent to call or you didn't work. You had to be invited to play. And that's still true to a certain extent, but it's so much more possible now to take control of what you're doing and go out and create content for yourself and other people without sitting and waiting for somebody else to invite you to participate in your own career. You don't have to do that. You go out and create your own opportunities much more easily now. And, I, and that's what I look forward to doing going forward. I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, it is wonderful. I mean, even this show alone, it would never, wouldn't be possible without, uh, you know, the technology and the and the price to to be able to do it being affordable. Uh, yeah. But with that said, it, it it's difficult it, in a lot of ways. I I feel it makes it more difficult because you have a lot more noise with more people creating more content. I mean, terabytes and terabytes and ter hundreds yeah. of terabytes uh, a a minute go <laughs> being uploaded to the internet of content. Um, and then the other side of it is now you don't get to go participate as like, I'm the actor. No, no, no. You need to be the actor, the producer, the writer, the director, the uploader, the tech guy, you know, the video editor. Like you need to be all of that stuff and be spot on. Oh, and you need to do the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. And and those are some of the challenges. But and and what you said initially, there's so much noise. That's right. You know, uh, 10, 20 years ago, they finally came out with screenwriting or screenplay formatting software. Suddenly, everybody was a screenwriter, you know, because they had the all they could had to do was upload this software and start typing and it put it in the proper format. And bingo, bango, you had 120 page screenplay quote. And so everybody thought they could be a writer. Well, they can't. You know, it's it takes real talent to do that, the same as it takes talent to do what you're doing or to or to be an actor or or these other things. But yet it's it's so available. The equipment, the the technology is is available as it should be to everybody. And so people have to weed through the noise 
to get to the good stuff. It just means it's incumbent upon us who want to be good to be good. And, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll get our, our message out that way. Yeah, you have to be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, uh, step aside because there's other people that have been doing it longer and willing to learn uh, yeah, right absolutely. behind you. <laughs> yeah, that's so, for sure. Tommy, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we share how people can connect with you? You know, for young actors, I, I want to say this. and then, If you're passionate about acting and about following this career as, as an actor or filmmaker, director, then do it. Don't let people talk you out of it. Follow your dreams, but make sure that there isn't something else you'd rather do because there are a lot of easier ways to make a living. There are a lot of easier ways to make money. If it's something that appeals to you because you think you want to be famous or rich, think again. Think again. It's got to be a deeper passion than that. If the passion is in your soul, it's inside, you can't get rid of it, then do it. Joe, let me tell you, you know what the you know what the biggest question I get from people on the internet is and has been for years? I get calls and I get emails from people and they go like this. Hey Tommy, I wanted to be an actor when I was 20, but my parents talked me out of it. Or I got married too soon and had a family or this or that. I'm 50 years old now. Is it too late? Is it too late for me to start? And the answer is no, it's never too late, but you have to assess where you are in your life at that point. No, it's never too late. But, you know, what I would hope is that anybody who really has the passion for it explores those passions from the get-go. Uh, it's never too late to pick it up. If you've got that dream and you've got that passion, just understand there are, will be challenges along the way. No, I, I agree, though. Um, I'm called to mind. Wasn't like Morgan Freeman not an actor until he was like 40 or something like that? Yeah, I think that's right. And and actually, one of the reasons I got uh, or get so many um, questions about that, I had written a blog post a few years ago. And gosh, the, the lady's name is blanking on me now. But but she was she went on to great success and she didn't start acting in Hollywood really until she was about 60. And she quickly found a, a niche and she was on the West Wing and she she just became, uh, you know, designing women. I think when she finally passed away, she was on designing women. But she, but her story was that she was a nurse, I believe it was. And then she took care of an elderly parent. And then when all that was behind her, she followed her passion, which was she had always wanted to be an actor. And she did that starting at about the age 60. And so from that publication of her story, people would find that on the internet and, and get in touch with me and ask me questions about it. So it's uh, if it's your passion, it must be a deep devoted passion, but go for it. I'd agree. I'd agree. In fact, I was just looking here to see when he started acting 1964. So, so he was like 30, 35 before he, he got a first role in a TV series. Now he might yeah, have his... commercials or something before that, but uh, that that they don't show that here, unfortunately. I just can't believe they haven't added that. What's that? Uh, commercials. Uh, you know, there's that. there's I mean, there, well, there's so many of them. I don't know how. I mean, there's you know, there'd be tens of thousands of editions in IMDb. I guess I don't I don't know. Plus, they have to have all that stuff reported. So I yeah, I don't I don't know why, but it, it probably would be a, quite a chore to keep up with that. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Tommy, I would love for you to share how people can connect with you online. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my podcast and website is actorstalkpodcast.com. They can find me on Twitter at Actors Talk or at Tommy G. Kendrick, either one. And uh, hope to see you there. And my e- email address, Tommy at actorstalkpodcast.com. And I'm always anxious to hear from people. The reason I do the podcast, Joe, is that when, as I said, when I, when I started out, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody I knew. And so even though I'm not a, a, a name in the business, a big name, I've got 40 years experience, 40 years of work. There are a few things I know that I didn't know back then. And if I can throw out those lifelines to people to say, hey, hey, do here's a way to go that you can avoid some mistakes I made that I didn't have anybody to clue me in. That's what I'd like to do. And that's what the podcast is all about. And it's all free. I don't charge anything for any of the episodes. It's all interviews with professional people, actors, directors, writers, casting directors, even a film score composer. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. And uh, I, lo- I love the fact that you want to connect with people and do things rather than just being, uh, I guess, jaded and or um, what was the word from the book that you were referencing earlier? Bitter. 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 At this stage. No, of- nobody, nobody wants to spend any time with a bitter person, let me tell you. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, who, who, what more, what more disagreeable quality is there to be around than someone that expresses bitterness? It's just, you know, you just want to move away as quickly as possible. And I've seen it in actor friends, you know, and it's, it's, it's rather sad. There's no point in it. You know, there's no point in bitterness and you have to avoid it at all costs. I have an actor friend. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. I have an actor friend in LA and he used to tell me, Tommy, when I make it, I've got a list of people that are going to, that I'm going to get back at, you know, and I would say, well, that's, that's bitterness at its core. Right. And I would say to this guy, but you're the only one that's, that's being harmed from this attitude. They don't even know that you're bitter about them. You know, why just let, let all that go. It's of no import and it's not productive and you're hurting yourself, you know, but that's what happens that if you get, if you get bitter and you have that attitude and you get an audition, you walk into the room with this chip on your shoulder, assuming that you're going to get screwed rather than just being there to do your art, to act for the day. Uh, I'd agree. Uh, the, the revenge thing uh, is not a good business to be in. <laughs> not a good business at all. No, no, it, it really subverts dreams. That's for sure. It does. It, it lets those people win. Um, even if they don't, well, in most cases they don't know. So yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Tommy, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and I'll have all those links in the show notes at uh, howtodream.co so people can go find you and, and uh, get to know you a bit better. Joe, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I really do. It's been a lot of fun. Nice to talk to you. It has. And it's been likewise. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, look forward to having you on the show again when you have some, some big news to, uh, okay. to, you know, to, to let out to the world. Oh, I'd love to do that. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again. Okay, take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.